0: Well, good morning, New Day. Good morning. So good to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here in person. Thanks so much for tuning in online. We're real happy that you could join us uh, for our study through the Gospel of Matthew. As Rachel said, next week we are deviating from our study in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, Next week I'm going to show you where faith and football collide. Uh, I have a very simple gospel presentation. Uh, I'll be using uh, different lessons and illustrations from football to communicate the gospel. And again, it's just the perfect kind of week uh, to bring a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, uh, or a loved one uh, to church for the first time with you. It's going to be absolutely uh, epic the entire day. So I hope you can be here uh, next week or tune in online. It really is going to be great. Uh, But again, today we continue our study through Matthew. Our text today is Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37. And would you help me by saying our theme out loud? Our theme this week is? And All right, now no one online heard you, so we're going to have to say it again, okay? Our theme this week is? And there we go. Now our online audience knows what the theme is. Thank you so much. When I was in elementary school, my teacher taught me and the rest of the class uh, the skeleton song the skeleton song by a show of hands who also was taught the skeleton song. All right, this is so strange to me. It's happened in all three services. Only like four or five people go, oh yeah, yeah, I was taught that song. But then we show you the lyrics and then all of a sudden everybody knows the song. So take a look at the lyrics and tell me if this changes your mind. Ah, there it is. Yeah, that's what first service said. That's what second service said. That's what it is. So all right, now listen, this is, this is our, our most uh, taciturn service, okay? It's the quietest in third service, okay? Um, but I need you to not be taciturn. I need you to not be laconic today. Uh, I, I need your help because here's what we're going to do. We are going to sing this song out loud. All right, is anyone willing to help me with the song so I don't look as much of a fool up here on stage? Yeah, three of you, great. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. All right. Help me out if you don't mind. Those of you at home, you can sing along too. Here we go. The foot bones connected to the leg bone, the leg bones connected to the knee bone, the knee bones connected to the thigh bone, doing the skeleton dance. All right. That must have been unique to West Springfield public school system. Okay. That little last part. But we're gonna sing the second verse now, and I need you to adopt the West Springfield High School, uh, you know, West Springfield Elementary School, uh, you know, whatever, so okay. So, doing the skeleton dance. Okay, here we go. The thigh bone's connected to the hip bone. The hip bone's connected to the backbone. The back bone's connected to the neck bone. Doing the skeleton dance. All right, all two of you, thanks for your help. That was awesome, all right, thank you. All right. Give yourselves a hand. You did great. Okay. Now, all our first-time guests are like, I'm not coming back to this church. (laughs) But before you make that decision, let me explain. The whole point of that song, which I really didn't quite learn because for all three services, I still had to read the lyrics off the screen. So I didn't quite master uh, what's connected to what, all right? But the whole point of that song is to show us The connection between different parts of our body. The foot is connected to the leg, okay? The leg is connected to the knee. The knee is connected to the thigh. So over and over and over, this song shows us uh, the connection between one part of our body and another. Well, in our text today, Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37, Jesus is going to show us that very same thing the important connection between two different parts of our body, our heart and our mouth. Now, physically, these two things are not connected. You know, we sing the song, the foot bones connected to the leg bone. Those things are physically connected. Now, our our heart and our mouth are not connected physically, but spiritually, they are inseparably linked. And this is the point. I believe you'll see for yourself as we work our way through this passage today. So let's begin by reading our passage. Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He's embroiled in an argument with the Pharisees, and here's what Jesus says Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now, last week, Andrew, our executive pastor, uh, gave an excellent exposition of verses 22 to 32. And in that section of scripture, which is the context for the section we're studying today, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the nation of Israel, accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Satan, which was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And since they So, carelessly leveled this accusation against Jesus with the words of their mouth, Jesus uses it as an opportunity to teach them what the words of their mouth actually reveal concerning the spiritual state of their heart. And to do this, Jesus begins with a word picture that his audience would all understand. Uh, Some 14 years ago, I read a book by Chip and Dan Heath called Made to Stick, and the whole book was about how to be a better communicator. And they said, master communicators do this. When they are introducing a new and unfamiliar concept or topic or idea to their audience, they don't just dive right into the teaching. They go ahead and use something their audience would readily relate to and understand, and then they say, yeah, yeah, so you know how that works? well, let me now teach you this. And then they make a parallel to the new information they want to communicate. Well, friends, Jesus was a master communicator. And even though Chip and Dan's book didn't come out 2,000 years later, uh, the contents of that book were already known to Jesus. And so this is the approach that he takes in his teaching. He begins with something his audience, which was comprised primarily of farmers, would have readily understood an illustration that comes from a fruit tree. And so this is where uh, our passage picks up. So if you're taking notes today, uh, here's the first thing that Jesus teaches. He says, fruit reveals the state of one's tree. So pretend you got a fruit tree in your backyard. Jesus says, well, the fruit that grows on that tree reveals the state of that tree. In other words, its health or its disease. And we see this in verse 33, where Jesus says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. In Jesus' mind, there's only two kinds of trees, healthy ones and diseased ones. And Jesus says, you can always tell which are which by the fruit that they produce. Now, I think it was 2012, the last time I went apple picking. Andrew, our executive pastor, brought his family. And John, our creative arts pastor, brought his family. And all our kids just had an absolute blast picking the apples right off the trees. But let me tell you, there were some apples hanging on those trees that we did not pick because some of those apples looked absolutely nasty. Have you ever been apple picking and you're like, oh, no, not that one, you know? Let me go to a different tree because some of the fruit looked nasty. And friends, that's because like the human body, um, the body of a tree is prone to many different diseases. For example, there's apple scab caused by a fungus that makes the fruit look like this. There's and fly speck, caused by bacteria that makes the apples look like this. There's powdery mildew caused by a fungus that breaks out when the weather becomes dry and warm, which makes the apples look like this. And on and on the list goes. There's fire blight, there's bitter rot, there's black rot, there's white rot, there's cork spot, and so many more diseases. But you need not fear when you go apple picking... Because it does not take an arborist, all right, a a tree specialist to know if an apple tree is diseased or healthy. All you have to do is look at the fruit and you'll know. If they look like this, then you can safely conclude the tree is healthy. Conversely, if they look like this, you can quickly conclude the tree is diseased, It really doesn't take a rocket surgeon, guys, to figure this stuff out. You can have a two-year-old, a three-year-old with you, and they intuitively know which ones to grab and which ones uh, not to grab, which ones are good, which ones are diseased. And this is precisely Jesus's point. Fruit reveals the state of the tree. Now, when Jesus says the tree is known by its fruit, a lot of people misunderstand. They think that what Jesus is saying, oh, look, there's oranges on this tree. I know that this is an orange tree. Oh, look, there's a pear uh, on this tree. Oh, this must be a pear tree. That's not what he's saying. The context of verse 33 is good or bad. The context is the health or state of the tree. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You can know if it's diseased or healthy by what the tree produces, by its fruit. Fruit rotten, tree rotten. That's Jesus's point. Now, as Jesus gives this uh, illustration from uh, agriculture, his audience, they're all nodding their head. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Last uh, summer, we, we had, uh, you know, sooty blotch and fly speck, too. Oh, we totally know where you're coming from on that. You know what I mean? They knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. They all had farms. They all knew of these different diseases. So so this made perfect sense in their mind. And now that Jesus has shared with them a, a word picture that they could readily relate to and completely understand now and only now does Jesus move into the next part of his teaching. As a master teacher, he knows I've got to first give them something they understand so that then I can make a spiritual parallel and teach them a spiritual truth that they might not have understood had I just started with the teaching. But having given them the word picture, now he moves into the second thing that he wants to teach him, which is this. Number two, if you're still taking notes, words reveal the state of one's heart. So fruit reveals the state of one's tree. And now secondly, words reveal the state of one's heart. Jesus is saying, just as fruit reveals uh, the, the, the health of a tree, so your words reveal the spiritual health of your heart. And we see this truth encapsulated in verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now, Jesus here calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers. Well, at the top of this photo, you can see the mama viper. And at the bottom of the picture, you can see her little brood of vipers. Now in the Bible, the devil is repeatedly referred to as the ancient serpent. And that's because back in the garden of Eden, Satan manifested himself as a snake. So then what Jesus is saying here is that the Pharisees are the offspring of Satan. Now you ask, well, how did Jesus know? How did did he know that they were the spiritual offspring of Satan? Was it because he's omniscient? Is it because uh, in being God in the flesh, he had special insight and that's how he knew? No, not at all. He knows that they're the offspring of Satan because just as fruit reveals the state of a tree, so words reveal the state of one's heart, whether or not it's been redeemed. You see, when we ask Jesus to be our Savior and Lord, God gives us a new redeemed heart. And this new heart is spoken of by God in Ezekiel chapter 36 here God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Friends, Jesus knew that the Pharisees didn't have a redeemed heart because of the words that were coming out of their mouths in response to Jesus casting out demons, the Pharisees said, "Ah, well, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Now, friends, a redeemed heart could never say such an evil thing. A redeemed heart could never attribute to Satan the very work of the Holy Spirit. But that's exactly what the Pharisees did with Jesus. So Jesus knew their hearts were unredeemed. Now, As I was reflecting on this teaching of Jesus, I began to think about how every time we speak, no matter what the word is, our jaw lowers. You go ahead and test it right now. Think of a word in your mind and then then just act like you're saying it out. And you'll notice that your own jaw lowers with every word that you speak. If I see you in the hallway and I say, hello, hey, how you doing? Hey, my jaw goes down. My jaw goes down. If someone asks for directions and I say, well, head that way, when I say head that way, no matter what word I say, every time I speak a word, my my lower jaw, it just goes, it just dips down, it dips down, it dips down. And this gave me a word picture. So I want you to imagine with me that your heart is a well filled with words. And I was literally thinking of a way I could tie this to my beard to make the illustration more whatever, but I, I couldn't quite figure it out without hurting myself. So you're going to have to imagine today that this is attached to my lower jaw, whether by my beard or in some other way. Well, every time I speak, let's pretend I'm in a foul mood. I'm not acting very Christian this day. And I say to one of my coworkers, you're stupid, you know, (laughs) in my stupid, your jaw lowers and it dips down this bucket into the well of words in your heart. And then it pulls up that word stupid. But let's pretend I'm feeling very Christian and my wife wakes up. She hasn't even gotten ready yet or put on makeup. And I just say, honey, you are looking beautiful. (laughs) When I say that word beautiful, my my jaw dips down. So my bucket lowers. It gets there in the water of of the well of my heart. And then it pulls up that word beautiful. So whether for good or for evil, every time we speak, this this little bucket that's attached to our jaw, when we speak, the jaw lowers, the bucket lowers, it dips down, it pulls up whatever kind of water is in the well of our heart, and then it pulls up words that come out of our mouth. Friends, this is what Jesus is saying. This is Jesus' point in verse 35, when he says this, the good man brings, that is the person with a redeemed heart brings good things out of the good stored up in him, out of the good stored up in his heart. Conversely, the the evil man, the unredeemed heart, brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. So if your heart's been redeemed, it's a well filled with life-giving words that honor God. If your heart hasn't been redeemed, it's a well filled with contaminated words So every time you speak, your jaw lowers a bucket into your heart, and it pulls up either life-giving, God-honoring words or corrupt, God-dishonoring speech. As Jesus put it in verse 34, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So you got that picture now? So just as Jesus could look at an apple tree and easily tell whether or not it was diseased, so Jesus could easily look at the Pharisees and tell if their heart was redeemed or not. He could tell by what came out of their mouth. So number one, Jesus says, fruit reveals the state of one's tree. Number two, Jesus says, in the same way, words reveal the state of one's heart And now here is the acme of his whole sermon. Number three, heart reveals the state of one's eternity. Heart reveals the state of one's eternity. Uh, This is the truth encapsulated in verses 36 and 37, where Jesus gives the Pharisees and us this grave warning. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Everyone say careless. Careless. We're going to return to that in just a minute. So I need you to remember careless word they speak for by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now, friends, anytime you see the words, I tell you, that is a signal to us that Jesus is about to say something of vital importance that he does not want us to miss. I tell you. So the important thing that he doesn't want us to miss here is a grave warning. And his warning is this. On the day of judgment, the books that contain the record of all you did and all you said on earth, on the day of judgment, those books will be opened. And Jesus is going to look to see, based on what you said, whether or not there's evidence of you having a redeemed or unredeemed heart. You say, how do you know books will be opened on the day of judgment? Well, friends, the apostle John received a vision of judgment day. And here's what he wrote about his vision. John said this in Revelation chapter 12, uh, chapter 20, verse 12. He said, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. So this is judgment day. And books were opened. So it's not a subjective judgment. It's an objective judgment. The evidence will either show that your heart has been redeemed or it will not. Jesus will review every word you've ever spoken to see if throughout your life, your jaw dipped down and pulled up purified or contaminated words from the well of your heart. Now, if the evidence contained in the books looks like this, then you're good. He knows you have a redeemed heart. But if he looks in the record book of your life and the evidence instead looks like this, well, then you are in big trouble because that's the evidence that your heart was unredeemed. Now, on that day, on judgment day, uh, our words will be of the utmost significance because Just as fruit reveals the state of a tree, so our words reveal the state of our heart. And as we've just learned, our heart reveals the state of our eternity. As Jesus put it in verse 37, by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now let's return to that word that I said we would return to. It was the word careless. Jesus says, hey, You're going to give an account on judgment day for the careless words you speak. Now, when I was studying that, I I was like, well, I don't get it. What what does this mean? Like, we're not going to be judged for the regular words we speak. We're going to be judged for the careless words we speak. What's that about? So I did a bunch of study, and it's actually quite simple. The word careless there, uh, really the sense is, is unguarded, unguarded on judgment day, the standard is going to be the unguarded words that we spoke. So let's put it like this. When I go to my barber shop, you know what I hear dropped all the time? F-bombs left and right. (laughs) That's what I hear at my barber shop. I've never heard those same F-bombs dropped out on the foyer of of our lobby here before and after service. I'm not saying they've never been dropped. I'm just saying I've certainly never heard. And if they are, it's definitely the exception to the rule, not the norm. Why? Because when Christians get together, all of a sudden we polish up our speech and we just are looking super holy. Oh, how are you, Sister Donna? Are you doing great today? Oh, let's glorify the Lord together, you know? You know? We, we, we get all Christian when we're at church. When, when, you, when you're in your small group, the words you use in your small group, those are not the words that God's going to pull up to review if you had a redeemed heart or not on Judgment Day. Because guess what? In our small group, we guard our words as to not develop a bad reputation with the other members of our group. How are you doing? Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Praise the Lord, you know? <laughs> we church it up. Those aren't the words that God's going to use to determine the true state of your heart. He's going to be looking at the careless words we speak. In other words, the unguarded words that we speak. The words we speak uh, in the confines of our home. When it's just our family and we don't feel the need to guard our words. All the words he's going to use are the ones that we might not even speak out loud. They're the words we mutter under our breath as our boss shares with us a new assignment that we think is stupid and we're just and we're just saying that in our heart or under our breath. The words that God is gonna pull up for judgment day, they're those careless, unguarded words that we use with friends, with family, or when we're alone. He's gonna pull up the words we speak when we're not concerned about keeping up appearances. Because these words reveal the true you and the true me. And by the record of those words, we'll either be justified or condemned. Now, friends, I want you to understand that we are justified in God's sight. We are made right in God's sight. We make our peace with God solely based on faith. That's the clear teaching of Scripture. Yet, Jesus here says something that at first glance is kind of confusing. By your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. If we didn't take into account uh, the rest of teaching in Scripture, we might think that we are justified by works, by the words that we speak. But that's not the case. You have to take Jesus's entire teaching here into account to properly understand verse 37. Jesus has just said, fruit reveals the state of the tree, your words reveal the state of your heart, and your heart reveals the state of your eternity. So when he says, by your words, you'll be justified or condemned, it's very easy to understand. He's saying, I'll look at the record of your words because your words reveal the true state of your heart, which can only be justified by faith and faith alone. So don't be confused. Uh, Jesus is not contradicting uh, other uh, teaching throughout Scripture. So friends, that's verses 33 to 37 in their original context. Um, in a nutshell. Uh, Here's the summary um, in case you got distracted along the way, as I sometimes do when I'm listening to others speak. So let me just uh, summarize it all for you once again. Jesus is saying this in the same way, and we're going to personalize it now, in the same way that fruit reveals the state uh, of your tree. So your words reveal the state of your heart. And that's important because your heart reveals the state of your eternity. Now, friends, as far as application goes, it's actually quite simple because Jesus in our passage used this phrase, I tell you. And so that signals some kind of grave warning. And anytime we read a passage where there is a warning, the application is always to heed that warning. So that's the application today. We need to heed the words of Jesus. And fortunately for us, Jesus has done us a real favor in explicitly telling us um, how to heed his warning. So look again with me at verse 33. Jesus says, make the tree good. That's the application right there. That's, that's the, the answer to this whole thing. Make the tree good. Let's go back to the illustration of the diseased apple tree, okay? Okay. So if your tree is suffering from uh, apple scab, if your tree is suffering from apple scab, uh, all you need to do is apply a commercial fungicide to it every two weeks come spring once the buds begin to emerge. And if you simply treat it every two weeks uh, at the beginning of spring, when the buds begin to emerge, you eradicate the disease and the tree returns to a state of health. Likewise, if your tree is suffering from sooty blotch and fly speck, all you need to do is prune your tree, and this prevents the bacteria from spreading. So if your tree has that disease, just prune the tree. That'll stop the bacteria from spreading, and your diseased tree will become a healthy one. And the fruit will begin looking very different than this. I could go on with many examples because for every disease, there is a solution. There is something that will fix your problem and return your tree to a state of health. Well, friends, here's the deal. The Bible teaches that, I mean, from birth, we are born with a diseased heart. But the good news is this. In the Bible, we learn of a person who can eradicate the disease of sin that's found in our heart and return us to a state of spiritual health. Some people mistakenly think that little babies, oh, aren't they so cute? Look at the little baby. It's so wonderful. Oh, this is a a good little person right here. And it's so sad that as they get older, they're introduced to bad things that corrupt their little hearts. Friends, the Bible says that's actually not how it works. They are born with corrupt, diseased little rebel hearts right from conception. As David put it in Psalm 51 5, surely I was sinful at birth. And then he says, oh, wait a minute. That's way too long. I was sinful even before that. And then he corrects himself. No, no, no. Actually, I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So we're not born with a good heart that becomes corrupt over time. No, we're born with a corrupt heart that needs cleansing right out of the gate. Like a diseased apple tree, the human heart in its natural state, says the prophet Jeremiah, is deceitful above all things and desperately, say it out loud with me, desperately sick. sick. So that's the bad news on our own. Apart from Jesus, we have a diseased, corrupted heart. The good news, though, is that God has provided a commercial fungicide, if you will, to get rid of the disease of sin in our heart. And it's the blood of Jesus which was shed on the cross for our sins. Each of our hearts need to be treated. Each of our hearts uh, needs to be sprayed, if you will, with the blood of Jesus. And when treated, the blood of Jesus will cleanse our diseased heart and make it anew. As the apostle John put it in 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. What John is saying is that if we'll trust Jesus to forgive us of our sins, he'll get rid of the disease of sin in our heart, that damns us to hell. So again, I say, and here's your last fill in the blank. If you're taking notes, the application of the sermon is this, make the tree good. Make the tree good. If the tree is good, the fruit is good if the fruit is good, then on judgment day, Jesus will see more than enough evidence in the words that we spoke while we were on earth, that we had a redeemed heart. Now, friends, Jesus is not going to review a perfect record. That's not what's required, just to be clear. He's going to see the record of when that person uh, cut us off in traffic, and he's going to see the record of the expletive that flew out of our mouth after that happened. He's going to see us doing that home improvement project. We watched a YouTube. We thought we were Mr. Fix-It, and And he's going to see how we smashed our thumb with that hammer. And, and you know, he's going to see what, what came out of our mouth as a result. But friends, if you've truly been redeemed, then Jesus will see that instances like that were the exception to the rule versus the norm. So friends, our, our words really matter. The Apostle Paul says to all who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ... Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Meaning, out of place for those whose hearts have been redeemed. He says, no, instead, do this with your mouth. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. If your heart's already been redeemed, then Jesus is looking for us and expecting from us to act in accordance with our new nature. Our old corrupted heart led us to talk in a filthy manner, led us to talk a lot of nonsense and foolishness, and led us to to make crude jokes. Before coming to faith in Christ, when we went to talk, our jaw lowered its bucket into the dirty well of our heart and pulled up corrupted speech. But now that we have a new heart, now that we have a cleansed heart, When we go to talk, our jaw should lower its bucket into the clean well of our heart and pull up clean speech. Again, none of us will be perfect with this, not on this side of eternity anyway, but our aim should always be that the words of our mouth would give testimony to God, to other people, as well as to ourselves that our heart has truly been redeemed because it's our word that reflect the true state of our heart. And it's our words that will be evaluated on judgment day to determine where we spend eternity, in heaven or in hell. Now, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim that Jesus has cleansed your heart by faith, then filthy talk, foolish talk, crude talk really has no place in your life. But if filthy talk and crude talk and foul language is the norm for you, instead of the exception to the rule then on the authority of God's word, I need to share with you today, you are not saved. You might think you are, but you are deceived. And God brought you here today or had you tune in online so that you can make a mid-course correction in preparation for judgment. He's letting us know this because he loves us. Not to condemn us, but that we might be saved from his penalty for sin, which is death. You say, I'm not sure I'm buying this, Mike. If I am always using foul language and being crude and whatever, I don't know that that really speaks to whether I'm saved or not. Well, let me bring you to scripture. James chapter three, verses 10 to 12. The apostle James says this, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Of course not. James says, well, then neither can salt water, can salt spring produce fresh water. Let me, let me explain. James is saying, just as a fresh spring cannot produce salt water, and just as a fig tree cannot produce olives, and just as the grapevine cannot produce figs, neither can inappropriate, corrupt, coarse speech continually and predominantly flow from a cleansed heart. It's an impossibility. Now, if your heart's been cleansed, then as the norm, you speak to your spouse and your children kindly. Kindly. Speak to your friends kindly. You speak to those who are under you if you're a leader. You speak to your subordinates kindly. If your heart's been cleansed, then as the norm, you don't use foul language. If your heart's been cleansed, then as the norm, you don't use the words of your mouth to gossip. If your heart's been cleansed, then as the norm, you don't lie with the words of your mouth. If your heart's been cleansed, then as the norm, you don't boast proud words with your mouth. As scripture says in the book of Proverbs, let another man's lips praise you and not your own. I love this. Andrew, our executive pastor has been saying this all the time. I loved it. So I added it to the sermon. If your heart has been cleansed, then as the norm, you say what you mean. You mean what you say, but you don't say it mean. Isn't that good? If your heart's been cleansed, then as the norm, you keep your word. As the norm, you do what you said you were going to do and you keep your promises. You don't make a vow and break it. Ecclesiastes 5.5 says it's better not to vow than to vow and not fulfill whatever you said you were gonna do. We might slip up here and there, reverting to our old sinful nature, but when our heart has been cleansed, our slip-ups will be the exception to the rule, never the norm. And when this is the case, we have the wonderful assurance of salvation that comes as a result. When you look at your life, specifically how you use your mouth, and you see that the norm is for you to use your words to encourage people, and speak kindly to people, and dispense wisdom to people, and share the gospel with people, and with your mouth, you speak praises to God. But when you do that, you can rest assured that your heart has been redeemed, because an unredeemed heart would never do any of those things as a normal way of life. So where are you at today? Do you have a diseased heart and need the blood of Jesus to treat your heart, to eradicate the disease of sin from it? Or do you have a redeemed heart and need God's help to live in accordance with your new nature? Wherever you're at today, I'd love to pray with you. So if you'd bow your head, close your eyes. Those of you online, we haven't forgotten about you. Those of you out in the foyer, uh, we haven't forgotten about you. Wherever you are, just bow your head, close your eyes if you'd like to, and you can join us in prayer. No pressure, but if you'd like to, here's a sample prayer you can pray in your heart to God. You can say, Heavenly Father, like David, I readily acknowledge that I've been sinful at heart since conception. No one had to teach me to lie. I figured that out on my own. I had to be taught to tell the truth. So I know. I was born with a depraved, sinful, corrupt heart. Today I ask that by the sacrificial shed blood of Jesus on the cross, you would cleanse my diseased heart. I know that on the cross, Jesus was taking the punishment for sin that I deserved. And that since he has taken my punishment for sin, I can go free. I ask that by his blood, I ask that by his sacrifice, I might be set free from your terrible sentence for sin, which is death. And now that my heart has been cleansed, I pray for your help. That as the norm, the words of my mouth would give testimony to you, to others, and to myself on a daily basis, that my heart has truly been redeemed. Help me to use my mouth to dispense wisdom, to encourage others, and to give perpetual thanks to you for the salvation you have provided for me this day. Each Sunday, the first day of the week, may you look down from heaven and see me praising you with my mouth for the salvation you've provided through Jesus. And then throughout the rest of the week, may you look down. And see me using my mouth to encourage others. Speak kindly to others. Share godly wisdom with others. And most of all, share the gospel with others. That I might have that wonderful assurance of salvation that comes when we use our mouths in the way that you've intended. God, I don't want to have anything to fear on judgment day, so I pray that you would help me with this. And I ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. Do you want more New Day Church in your life? Well, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Want to take a next step in your faith? Our Church Center app is the best place to get more connected. So just download the free app on your app store today and be sure to choose New Day Church in Enfield, Connecticut. We are able to offer this sermon and all others like it only because of your faithful financial support. Thank you to all of you who so faithfully give each week. If you feel led to support our ministry financially, just go to our website at newdaychurch.cc forward slash give. Thank you in advance. May God richly bless you and we hope to see you again real soon.